and Stephen Covey made this little statement a long time ago, a number of years ago, a few decades ago, uh, but I've never forgotten it because it's a biblical truth. He said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Isn't that profound? Okay, let's try it together. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now let me tell you how that translates into Christianity. The main thing, Jesus and the kingdom of God, your top priority, is to keep the main thing, Jesus and the kingdom of God, the main thing. Right? Okay. Now, it's a, it's a statement on priority. Now, nobody did that better than Paul. So, Paul didn't say the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, but he put it this way. This one thing I do. This one thing. And that one thing is the main thing. So I'm going to talk to you about what Paul said. I'm going to read out of Philippians 3, verse 12. Start there. Paul says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but listen to these strong words now. I press on. That sound like somebody coasting? No. So everybody say press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. This is powerful stuff. Did you know Jesus laid hold of you? You went out and said, last night I found the Lord. No, you didn't. The Lord laid hold of you. Now watch this. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing, I do. And then he's going to tell us what it is. Forgetting. Everybody say forgetting. Those things that are behind me and reaching, there's another strong word, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Here he comes again. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now he said, in case you have a problem with that, he says, therefore let us, as many as consider themselves to be mature Christians, have the same attitude. You're to have the same mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, if you've got it wrong, God's going to show it to you. If you've got it wrong, God's not going to leave you and you're wrong. He's going to show it to you. In other words, if you've got mixed up priorities, God's going to show it to you. Amen. Father, bless this word today in Jesus' name. Help us to begin this year keeping the main thing the main thing. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, do the main thing. Do the main thing. Amen. Priorities are so important. Whatever you put first. I did finish my Through the Bible in a Year yesterday. Um, and I'm just telling you, I do it to survive. I do it to stay afloat. I stay in the Word every day because man will not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I started Genesis chapter 1 this morning.
Here I go again. In the little one-year Bible that I have, yesterday made nine times I've gone through that one. So, um, it's good for you. And you know why I do it? It's prioritized. People say, well, I don't have time for prayer. No, you haven't made time for prayer. It's a priority. So, in the first 11 verses, um, leading up to verse 12 in our text, Apostle Paul is listening to us. He's listening what we would call his bragging rights uh, in the natural. He's given us his, his credentials in the natural as a Jewish man. I'm going to talk about those in just a moment. Um, but to know the Apostle Paul, who I think is the greatest Christian that ever lived, that's just my opinion. Um, the Apostle Paul was a man who was completely obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ in a good way. He was obsessed in a good way. There isn't anything wrong. The more obsessed you are with Jesus, the better off you'll be. He was obsessed with Jesus. Uh, no price was too great for him to pay to be able to walk with the Lord, pursue the Lord, chase after the Lord. No matter what price he had to pay, no matter what it cost him, nothing stopped this man. Nothing. By his own testimony, he'd been whipped five separate times, equaling 195 lashes across his scarred back. You give me one of those lashes, I'm going to break down like a great big ball and baby. But he got it 195 times, folks. For what? For his testimony for Christ. And yet he said, no big deal. He often fasted, hungered, was in the cold, had no certain dwelling place. This is from his own mouth. He suffered shipwreck. He was lost at sea. He was caned, beaten with rods. He was stoned and left for dead. Can you imagine being pelted with rocks until you fall into the ground and they think you're dead? He experienced that. Rejected by his countrymen, rejected and scorned by the Roman authorities, repeatedly imprisoned, thrown in jail for doing right, and he lived in constant danger each and every day of being killed by his enemies. And he had all kinds of enemies. But, but rather than back down or quit, Paul burned to bring all of his faculties into laser-like focus to, to knowing Jesus even better. Nothing deterred him. Nothing turned him back. Nothing made him put up the white flag. No, he only got meaner in the faith and kept on going. He never quit. So starting in verse 13, his life's resolve is summed up in five simple words. And I want you to say them with me. This one thing I do. This one thing I do. Does that sound like a statement of priority? Yeah. That's a statement of major priority. This one thing I do. How about a statement of focus? Is that a statement of powerful focus? Uh, let's try it again. This one thing I do. So here's a man of total resolve. This one thing I do. And then he tells us what it is. And he breaks it into two parts. He said, forgetting the past, 
and reaching for the future. This one thing I do, forgetting the past, reaching for the future. Forgetting the past and reaching forward to what lies ahead. So where was his focus? It wasn't back here, it was up here. All right? Uh, he said, I strain. There's another strong word. Uh, I strain to reach the end of my race. I started strong, I'm going to end strong. I'm straining to reach the end of my race. Did you know that everybody in here, you're in a race? Amen. What did Paul say at the end of his life? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. See, we all have a race together to stand for Christ, walk with Christ, testify to Christ. But you've also got an individual race. You, you're, you're in your own race. It's what God has called you to do, what he's called you to be, uh, the influence he's called you to have. You have your own race. You're running a race. You're an athlete spiritually. You're running a race. And Paul said, the most important thing to me is to finish that race well. To finish it right. To finish it strong. So that when I reach the end of my life, I hear the words, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. So say with me, forgetting and reaching. Now that's easy to remember, forgetting and reaching. Paul said, that's what I'm all about. That, that's my one thing. My one thing is forgetting and reaching, forgetting and reaching, forgetting and reaching. He says, and if you have any other attitude, God's going to show it to you. So we should all have this attitude. We should all have this uh, uh, priority, this mindset to finish our race individually and corporately strong. So the first resolve he made, and we've got to make, if we want to do this new year right, is forgetting what's behind. Forgetting what's behind. Now what do you mean by that? Let me tell you what the word forgetting means. It's to intentionally neglect something. All right? Uh, to refuse to excessively focus on something. Um, it is to not allow yesterday to control or overly influence today. Did you catch that? See, you are not defined by your past. You are defined by God. You are who, who and what He says you are. You are not defined by your past mistakes or your past successes. You are defined by God Himself. Amen. So, Paul... Now, let me tell you, if anybody had a past to forget, it was Paul. Because his past is what we would call today colorful. Yeah, he had a colorful past. Um, first, there were huge positives. and He was a very, very accomplished young man when he met Jesus Christ. Uh, by birthright, he had it going on as far as a Jew was concerned. Because he was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He had it going on, pedigree-wise. He, he says of himself, I was a real Hebrew, if there ever was a real Hebrew. On top of that, he had been a personal pupil of the famous teacher Gamaliel. There was no better teacher of the Old Testament in a Mosaic Law or any of that than Gamaliel. You could say that, that Paul graduated from the Harvard of his day. Because there was no better 
teacher and instructor than Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and so was his whole family. He was the cream of the crop. As for righteousness, he says about himself, he claimed to have obeyed the law as close to without fault as you could possibly get. If ever there was a promising, up-and-coming, young Hebrew man that would really make a mark for Judaism, Paul was it. Yet he writes, forgetting the past, including my successes. See, the danger of great success back there is you think that's the best that's ever going to happen to me. I've seen my greatest day. And, and, and so that's the danger of living in the past, in your past successes. You just say, wow, I accomplished so much back there. there. There can never be any better. But there can be better. There can be stronger. There can be greater. It's not just what you did back there. Listen, God can do anything now. God is still moving now. So you can't live in the past successes of your life. Well, I'll never reach that again. I'll never do that again. I'll never achieve that again. I'll never do that well again. Get that out of your head. Because you serve a God who does a new thing. But there was a flip side to Paul's life and it was dark filled with painful memories that listen to me carefully could have crippled him for the rest of his life these memories what he did i love the bible tells the truth about the heroes in it dr luke who wrote the book of acts tells us the truth about paul what he was like before he was a christian dr luke writes this paul was like a wild man acts 8 3 paul was like a wild man going everywhere to devastate the believers, even entering private homes and dragging out. Can you imagine Paul doing this? Dragging out men and women alike and throwing them into jail. That's the apostle to the Gentiles. That's the one that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is what he did. This is how he lived. Luke tells on him even more. He says, but Paul, threatening with every breath and eager to destroy every Christian, He went to the high priest in Jerusalem and requested a letter addressed to synagogues in Damascus requiring their cooperation in the persecution of any believers he found there. He was on the hunt for people who named the name of Christ, both men and women, so that he could bring them in chains to Jerusalem. The writer of Ephesians, writer of Romans, writer of Philippians, writer of Colossians, did this and paul himself tells the truth he says you know what i was like when i followed the jewish religion how i went after the christians mercilessly hunting them down and doing my best to get rid of them first corinthians 15 for i am the least of the apostles you better know it who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And here's the worst one. Listen to this one. He's admitting it. This is autobiographical. He says, I used to believe that I ought to do many horrible things to the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. I imprisoned many of the saints in Jerusalem. 
as authorized by the high priest. And when they were condemned to death, when they were condemned to what? I cast my vote against them. I used, get this everybody, I used torture to try to make Christians everywhere curse and blaspheme Christ. Wow! I used torture. Torture. The apostle to the Gentiles. You enjoyed Ephesians lately? He wrote that. This guy. I was so violently opposed to them that I even hounded them in distant cities and in foreign lands. <laughs> Paul had been instrumental in torturing and murdering some of God's children. And yet, Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. You touch them, you touch me. And from then forward, he became the greatest friend to the church on the planet. Now think about this. Could his memories of women, children, screaming for mercy have haunted him the rest of his life if he'd let it happen? But he said, forgetting. Everybody say, forgetting. Forgetting is the same for you and me. If we're going to go on with God, we've got to forget. We've got to forget. We've got to forget. It's not like you have some kind of amnesia and you say, I don't have a past. No, you just choose not to focus on it. You don't live back there. You don't dwell back there. That's not where your thinking is back there. Because everybody's got some skeletons in their closet that if you focused on them, they'd cripple you. No, you've got to accept the washing of the blood of the Lamb, the forgiveness of God, and go forward, forward, forward. One commentator writes, Let us not spend our time either in pondering the gloomy past and our own unfaithfulness, or conversely in thinking of what we have accomplished and getting all puffed up with pride because of what we did back here. But he says, let us keep our eyes steadily on the prize, steadily on the prize, steadily on the prize. Focus, priority, and run the race set before us as though we had just begun. How do you do the new year? Everybody say, forget. Don't live back there. Some people, they live back in the past. They built their house in the past. They get up every day in their past. All their thoughts are about their past. They live there. They dwell there. And if you get with them for more than 10 minutes, all you hear about is their past. Listen, if you get with somebody and all they talk about is the past, you're talking to somebody who has no vision for the future. Your past is not the definer of your future. It is not the prophet of your future. It is not the predictor of your future. You've got to move forward because of the blood of the Lamb. So say with me, whether it's good or bad, noble or shameful, positive or negative, my past will not dictate the terms of my future. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, everybody.
We cannot spend our time pining for the good old days. There's that song. Those were the days, my friend. We thought they'd never end. We'd sing and dance and blah, 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 blah. But to some people, that's their song. Those were the days. Oh, those were the days. Oh, if you could have been around back then. Those were the... Do you know that when you live that way, you're selling the God of the now short? Because he does new things. There's a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. How's that for a profound thought today? <laughs> That's a picture of, your, of the way you ought to do life. The rear view mirror is this little bitty thing, but the windshield is huge. What's back there is about that significant. What's in front of you is... Some of you are starting to get it. I'm going to preach you out of the past today. I'm going to preach you out of the past. Oh, but you don't know what I did, Pastor Jeff. You didn't do more than uh, Paul. If you did, you wouldn't be here. You'd be locked up somewhere. No, you didn't do more than Paul. And he said, forgetting what lies behind. There is a reason when she, what's going to happen to you if you drive your car by the rearview mirror? You're going to get about 10 yards and we're going to hear a crash. Amen? So don't do it. Every child of God is called to focus on what's ahead. Please hear me. Every child of God is called to focus on what's ahead. Looking through the windshield of God's promises and purpose for us. You can't let the past bury you. You can't let the past Lot's wife learned the hard way. Mrs. Lot, God said, I'm going to deliver you out of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going I'm to get you out of here. But just don't look back. There's a, there's, a, there's a cautionary tale there. Because they got just, just a ways out of Sodom that she looked back and was immediately judged and became a pillar of salt. I don't know why salt, but that's what the Bible says. I'll tell you this, it wasn't a good day for Mrs. Lot. Now, let me ask you, why is that in the Bible? Because there's something there about looking back that paralyzes you. Living back there. You know, here she was, and then... <laughs> she was showing that her heart had never left Sodom. Now, God's delivered all of us out of a perverse culture, out of the world. And we're not to look back with longing and pining and go back because it... And you're frozen in time. None of that is in my notes. I'm just telling you. <laughs> That's free. I'm telling you. C catch this. Don't look back. Don't look back with pining with longing, with attachment. No, no, let God set you free into your future. This is why God warned his people languishing in Babylonian captivity. Let me just hit this real quick and I'll move on. 
But they're, they're, they're languishing in Babylonian captivity. They've been there 70 years. They're about to be delivered. Catch this. They're about to be delivered to go and rebuild their life in Jerusalem. They've been there 70 years for their sin. And now they're about to be delivered to go back and rebuild and start over. But God has to tell them something. Don't remember the former things. I'm about to do something new in your life. I'm about to set you free. I'm about to open a new door. I'm about to give you a new horizon. But I can't do it if you're constantly looking back. Don't remember the former things or ponder the things of the past. I love the way the Message Bible puts it. Forget about what's happened. Can we say that together? Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Is that up there? No. Okay. Be alert. Be present. Live in the now. Not in yesterday. Live in the now. Why? Because God said, I'm about to do something brand new. New doors are opening. Uh, fresh mercy is falling. New things are approaching. So, so, so forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Quit chewing your history like an old bone. The past is past because it's past. Thank you. Now, look what he says. He says, I will even put a road in the wilderness. I'm about to build a road that you can get out of your wilderness. I'm about to put a way where there wasn't a way. I'm about to give you a way out of your wilderness, your, your funk, your, your being stuck in the past. I'm about, to, I'm about to open a new way. I'm about to give you a road. I'm sending heaven's bulldozers to make a new road out of there. There it is. Rivers in the desert. Deserts don't have rivers. He said, I'm going to give you something that nobody else is going to have in their desert. I'm going to give you water in your desert. But you're going to have to let go. The Message Bible continues. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The message is clear. If you're stuck in the past, it can blind you to what God wants to do now because he says don't you see it the implication is you're living back here you can't see what's right here right under your nose what God is wanting to do you can't see it because the past blinds you freezes you Petrifies you, paralyzes you. Then Paul gives part two of his resolve. He says, once I've let go, then I'm free to reach. Then I'm free to reach. Once I let go, I'm free to reach. He says, reaching forward to those things that are ahead of me. And the word reaching there, it's a very intense word. It means to strain after. Stretch forward towards something. You really, really want. You believe God has for you. And there comes a time, folks, where faith has to fight. You, you must strain 
You got to work your faith. You got to believe. You got to let muscle develop on your faith. Faith is not spineless. It's not passive. It's 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 a verb. It's a word of action. Faith reaches and strains and stretches to reach something that God has for you. Everybody say stretch, strain. It's called the fight of faith. I fought a good fight. The fight of faith. The battle of faith. The, 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 the strength of faith is to persevere and keep on going and reach forward and stretch and strain and battle for it until you hold it. He says, well, Paul, what are you straining for? He said, well, there's a mark and there's a prize. There's a mark and a prize. I press, I press, strain, stretch. I reach toward the mark for the prize. Those are two different things. The mark. The mark here is it's the, it's the Greek word. Let me give you one. Skopos. Scope. Rifle scope. And, and it's the scope on a rifle that pulls in tight on a target. Or better yet, it's the tape that runners break when they finish a race. They, the minute they start that race, they've got their eyes peeled on that finish tape. That's all they're thinking about as they run around that track. All they're thinking about is reaching that, ready, mark, that tape. In every atom of their being, they're not going, well, you know, I'm running this race, and I get there, maybe I will, maybe I won't. No. Have you noticed that when they get close, right up on that tape, they lean in because they want to be the first one? Because if they're the first one to break it, they get a prize. See, faith has marks. And faith is after a prize that's at the end of that mark. The prize is hanging right there with the mark. And in life on this earth, there's lots of marks. God gives us markers a lot. I've got markers for 2023. Things that I want to see happen. Things that I want to achieve. Things that I want to reach. Things that I want to hold as my own. I have goals for my faith. Uh, do you? I'm asking, do you? Do we together? Do we have goals for our faith? Are we just kind of cruising along on cruise control? Or do we have a mark? And there's a prize when I get to that mark. Uh, answer prayer. There's something you just believe God to do, and it's, it's a mark for your faith. And you're straining for it, stretching towards it, persevering towards it, running towards it, reaching for it. And when that prayer is answered, there's a prize of a promise fulfilled. Do you have any marks? Do you have marks today? A marker in your life? Something you're believing God for? Do you have marks? Somebody being saved? Some, 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 some breakthrough? Some mightily answered prayer? 
some achievement? Is there a mark for your faith to reach and stretch and strain towards? Because that's how you finish 2023 strong. Amen. Paul says there's a prize waiting you, waiting for you when you reach the mark. It can be a long for a victory over some habit. It can be that loved one coming to Christ. It can be so many things, but it's a fulfillment of God's promise. It says in the Bible, by faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Okay? But here's the deal. All of us ought to start this new year with marks, markers. What are we straining for, reaching for, believing for? I'm not going to dwell back here. No, the past is gone. I'm looking forward. I'm leaning forward. I'm stretching forward. I fought. The, I want to. I want to listen. I want to be able to say at the end of my life, I did with Paul. I fought the good fight, and, and I I finished. Everybody say finished. My assignment. Can you say that again? I finished my assignment. My race. And ultimately, here's the prize, the ultimate prize. Six words. Ready? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. We don't want to hear Jesus say, well, you kind of did okay. (laughs) You gave it a little bit. You know, back there in 1993, you hit a mark. Well, you did okay. Come on in by virtue of the blood, but not much of a reward. No, you want that well in front of it. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to say with me, forward is faith's favorite direction. Even the armor of God doesn't cover your back. So if you're turning around and going back, you're vulnerable because the armor doesn't cover your back. It only covers somebody going forward. Come on. Face favorite direction is forward. Listen to what God said to Moses, and I'm closing. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Hebrews 10.39, we don't belong with those who turn back. Proverbs 4.25, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Oh, man. Jesus said no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back. We don't live back there, look back there, focus back there, because you won't be fit for the kingdom of God. This year is going to be a year, I tell you before God, that requires forward. Can you stand up with me? You go forward no matter what's happening around you. You go forward no matter who is still with you or still not. You go forward no matter what the enemy brings at you. You get up and you go forward. You do not stop. You do not turn back. You don't go around. You don't put up the white flag. You don't say, I'm quitting. Quit is not a four-letter word in the Bible for saints. 
because the greatest winner of all time lives inside of us, and he did not quit. He did not quit. So we're not quitters. No, no. God's never going to say to you, quit, unless it's sin. Then he'll tell you to quit real quick. <laughs> then he'll say, you should have quit yesterday. But other than that, no. Forward is faith's favorite direction. This is going to be a year of faith where our faith is going to have to be bold to reach and to stretch and to strain and to fight the good fight. And for those who do so, there will be a prize at the end of 2023. So everybody say forward. This one thing I do. Main thing is to keep the main thing. The main thing I forget. And I look forward. I'm stretching forward. As a church, we're going to be doing that. Together, starting this Wednesday night. Um. I made a boo-boo last week. I told you we were going to be starting letters that burn. 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1, 2, and 3, John, and Jude. But the first Wednesday of every month, we're going to worship as always. I'm going to bring a, a brief word, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to pray for your needs. We're going to lift up this city, this church. We're going to intercede. We're going to pray. Every month, the first Wednesday of every month, first Wednesday, because that's the main thing, is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Then I'm going to start letters that burn. Okay? Prayer. So that's one way that we're going to go forward and fight and stretch and reach. So I want us today, can we, can we pray together for the new year? How many of you want to do this today? You want the right priorities, right? Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's priority. So let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to bow with me. Let me pray for yourself and myself and this church. Heavenly Father, it's New Year's Day 2023. You've left us here for a reason. Now, Lord, we see that the Bible says we've got to let go of the past so that we can grab hold of the future. So, Lord, today, in Jesus' name, we pray that you will help us to do that this year like never before, to say no to every distraction, everything calling us away from the one thing, the main thing. Now, church, pray with me and say, Lord, in this new year, help me to forget, to choose to neglect, to refuse to focus on the past successes or failures. And help me to look forward and to reach for what lies ahead, what God has for me. 
in this new year. To make it my own. So that at this year's end, I hold it. I have the prize. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, I think this is a word for the new year. I do. And, and I want you to think about what you heard today. And do a little self-assessment when you get into your car and I drive away. Think, what have my priorities been? What have they been? If you're single, have they been on that hot person that you've had your focus on? I'm being careful here. Have you been all focused on a person? Or are you focused on making a bunch of money? We're like raccoons. I used to have a raccoon. I really did. Now, you're going to think I'm so mean. I, please, don't think it, because I love animals. But, you know, a raccoon has to, has to clean everything he gets before he, they clean it. So, so my little raccoon, who was called Rascal, okay, um, I noticed any little glittery thing, he'd go get it. He'd accumulate glittering, shining things. He had a way of finding them. We're the same way. We are attracted to what glitters and glistens and appeals to our eye. But he would try to wash a little glittery piece of metal and it didn't do any good. You can't wash it and you can't eat it. I would give him a sugar cube. And he'd nick, 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 and take it. And it would disappear. <laughs> and he'd go, where'd that thing go? And I used to think to myself, that's exactly what the things of this world do. The devil hands you a sugar cube. A person. A place. A thing. And you go, whoa, and where'd it go? It just went away because the things of this world are transitory. But what God gives you is forever. Amen. Amen. He said, Pastor Jeff, that's mean. I fed him good food after the sugar cube. I didn't torture my little raccoon. I love that little raccoon, but it was, I thought, what's he going to do with this? And he, he lost it. Anyway. I love you. I'm going to ask my prayers to come down. Can we have a few prayers come down and just line up here? Because as we dismiss this New Year's service, we're going to pray. And I want, please, those of you that uh, come Wednesday nights, don't not come because I'm not starting letters that burn. Let's pray together. And if you know somebody sick, I want you to bring them. Because we're going to anoint with oil and we're going to pray that God heals them. We're going to believe for you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray together as a church. And it's going to be so good. Then the next week, we're going to start Letters That Burn. All right? Father, thank you for the church of God. Bless us in 2023. May your face shine upon the people. And help us, Lord, to keep this message alive and well all year long in Jesus' name. 
Amen. If you need prayer, come down. And we want to agree with you. Thank you for coming. We'll see you Wednesday night or next Sunday. Amen.